0: This
2: is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. For the first time, a Trump business has been convicted of criminal conduct. After a month-long trial, a New York jury convicted the Trump Corp. and Trump Payroll Corp. of all 17 counts against them, including a scheme to defraud, conspiracy, criminal tax fraud, and falsifying business records. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg took a victory lap on CNN.
0: It's consequential. You have the the namesake company of a former president of the United States uh, held accountable uh, by a jury by way of a criminal conviction.
2: At trial, prosecutors proved a scheme that allowed executives such as former chief financial officer Alan Weisselberg to evade taxes on company paid perks, including free apartments and luxury cars, for more than a decade.
0: And then when we look at the conduct here, um, you know, it's tax fraud, but really, it's it's cheating, it's lying, it's greed.
2: Joining me is Bloomberg Legal Reporter Patricia Hurtado, who covered the trial. Pat, tell us about some of the evidence that convinced the jury. The evidence showed that the employees, including many high-ranking executives,
3: got perks, and I'm talking about the company CFO Alan Weisselberg, the Chief Operating Officer Matthew Calamari, senior. Many of these men, they would get perks like apartments that the company would pay for that the employees didn't pay taxes on. Many of them got his and her Mercedes expenses for themselves and their wives. Many of them got parking paid for in their apartment buildings, as well as their car licenses and registration paid for they never pay taxes on. Many of them, even like Weiselberg, got a flat screen TV and furnished his Florida condo with furniture and with carpeting from ABC carpet. You know, it was a very nice way of living. If you were a Trump executive, you got these perks and they, they claimed they were, quote unquote, backing them out of their salary. So they would get like $100,000 worth of perks, but they were getting them deducted from their salary. And then they were not paying state and federal taxes.
2: Tell me about Weiselberg's testimony, because he was the prosecution's star witness, but it sure seemed like he was reluctant to be there.
3: Yeah, I mean... Basically, the prosecutors elicited that Weisselberg, as well as the current company controller, they're all on the Trump payroll. They're still being paid. They're still on the books as employees. Weisselberg hopes to collect his annual bonus of another $400,000 at the end of this year. The DA was arguing they were beholden still to the Trump company and wanted to inflict as little damage upon their employer, the Trump organization. So they were very careful in what they said, especially Weisselberg who has an agreement. It wasn't a cooperation agreement with the DA per se. It was just an agreement to testify truthfully. So both sides tried to elicit testimony from him that supported their case. What's the likely sentence? Well, both of the companies now face what is estimated to be a grand total of $1.6 million in fines for not having their employees pay these taxes and for being convicted. Some may say, well, that's paltry for a company like Trump, or why does it matter? But it's a huge hate on the good name and goodwill of the company that belongs to the former president. He obviously was tweeting about it and complaining that he knew nothing of this fraud. Some people are suggesting to us that it may make it more difficult for the company to do business because some lenders and possibly partners may not want to do any business anymore with the Trump org and its entities because of this conviction. Because why would you want to do business with a felon?
2: In a statement, Trump said that this was all about Allen Weisselberg committing tax fraud on his own for himself. Quote, he and every witness repeatedly testifying that President Trump and the Trump family knew nothing about his actions. But Pat, wasn't there evidence at trial that Trump knew about the scheme, signed checks? They showed ledgers or memos where
3: Trump was personally okaying certain bonus payments. And you saw his. You know, signature and initial with a black sharpie, okay, these payments. You saw him approving certain executives getting car leases. There were three employees that testified for the prosecutors, and the testimony showed that basically Donald Trump had to and did approve and sign every check over $2,500. So when you start thinking about, well, what did Donald Trump see and what came across his death? That's obviously many of these payments, like including payments for these leases for these Mercedes Benz. Approved by Donald Trump. There was also evidence that showed he had had conversations with Weisselberg about getting an apartment for him paid for by the Trump Corporation. So there were many indications that Trump knew, and it was kind of an amazing moment at the trial. For days repeatedly, the defense had elicited questions Did Donald Trump know? No, he didn't know that the witness would answer. And then The DA had evidence showing Donald Trump had signed something or approved something or sanctioned something. Or conversations like he had with Weisselberg. We said, You should have an apartment. Your wife's not there. It's terrible for you to go home to a cold house in Long Island. It's such a long time for you to be on the Long Island Railroad home. So why don't you get in an apartment in Manhattan and you can work longer hours? So, different conversations that witnesses cited indicating Donald Trump personally knew. And Donald Trump was personally. Paying for Weisselberg first one grandchild and then a second grandchild at private school tuition, which is kind of a big chunk of change. And the jurors saw those checks authorizing the payment by Trump. And then later on, when Trump became president, who took over? Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr. So Weisselberg testified, yep, there it was. I had to go to Eric and Don, and they signed the check authorizing the payment for the private school tuition.
2: And then during the closing arguments, The prosecutor actually argued that Trump knew exactly what was going on. Joshua Steinglass said this whole narrative that Donald Trump is blissfully ignorant is just not real.
3: Actually, it was stunning because he got up at one point and he said, I'm going to argue now that Trump knew and defense got up there and said objection objection there was an instruction that your prosecution was not allowed to argue Trump knew because Trump's not indicted and he's not at the defense table and the judge told them well you're the ones that brought Donald Trump into this discussion you kept saying he didn't know well now the DA gets to argue to the jury what they have that he did know that you opened the door so they basically fell into this trap of the judge now allowing the prosecutors to start arguing and show evidence. The prosecutor noted Trump actually had an open door policy. He actually enjoyed talking to employees at the Trump Corporation and hearing about what was going on at his company. Jeff McConaughey could have blown the whistle at any time. Yet he never went to Trump and said, your CFO is making me commit fraud. Your COO is also making me commit fraud. This wasn't just McConaughey following orders. He wasn't just a soldier. He was a co-conspirator. And the other reason he didn't walk down the hall to blow the whistle is because he undoubtedly knew what you almost already at least suspect, that Donald Trump knew exactly what was going on with his top executives. And that was a pretty dramatic moment.
2: The Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is taking victory laps. But the question is, with all this evidence, why didn't he prosecute Trump here? That's a great question,
3: and a colleague of mine tried to ask Bragg that question after the verdict, of 17 counts, in just a mere 10 hours of deliberation. Don't you have any regrets about not pursuing a case against Donald Trump in this case, too? And he walked out and would not answer that.
2: Bragg now says that the investigation is continuing and this trial is just one chapter in it. But he had dropped the ball on the prosecution of Trump, and that was very well publicized. Now he's back on track? Well... He has insisted throughout this entire time period and also in the middle of the
3: turmoil and controversy over the quitting of these two senior prosecutors who were doing this Trump investigation. Now, that Trump investigation allegedly also involves Trump's valuation of assets and inflating of his assets. That's part of this $250 million lawsuit that's been brought by the New York Attorney General, Letitia James. So those two prosecutors, including one, Mark Pomerantz, a seasoned former federal prosecutor, and he gave an interview in a podcast where he said if Trump didn't anybody else, John Doe, Trump would have been indicted but that they wouldn't pull the trigger on him. He basically alleged that Bragg lost his will. And it seemed like all was given up because they'd only indicted Alan Weisselberg and the company in this tax fraud case. And they did not bring
2: a criminal case against Donald Trump or his family for the valuation of assets. I guess we'll see if they bring a case in the future. Thanks, Pat. That's Bloomberg
0: Legal Reporter Patricia Hurtado. You know success when you see it.
1: I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The music industry is firing
2: a warning shot at brand owners and influencers on TikTok. Don't use our music without first getting a license. The music industry is cracking down legally on brand owners that use unlicensed songs in social media posts, sending a warning to companies looking to capitalize on the explosive growth of TikTok and other short-form video-sharing platforms. Joining me is Bloomberg Law reporter Isaiah Poritz, who's written about this. Tell us about the energy drink maker bang and what it went through with music lawsuits.
4: So uh, Bang Energy is, is an energy drink maker. They make drinks very similar to Monster Energy or, or Red Bull. They, they compete in the same market. And over the past two years, they've achieved enormous uh, marketing success by hiring influencers and promoting their products, not through traditional commercial advertising, but on social media platforms like TikTok and Instagram, where they're able to catch on to various music trends or dance trends. And they've seen explosive growth that way. But the problem was that they didn't obtain a license to use that music in um, more than 100 of their videos. And so they were hit with lawsuits from all three of the the major U.S. record labels, Warner Music, Sony Music, and Universal Music. And they were found liable for copyright infringement in two of those cases. Um, And those cases are now paused because Bang is going through bankruptcy but it, it certainly is a, a warning for other brands that are looking to use the most popular music in any type of video that promotes their product.
2: TikTok has a licensing deal with several major record labels. What kind of deal do they have and why isn't that good enough to cover these?
4: Yeah, so they, they have, over the past two years, created licensing deals with the major record labels which allow ordinary users to access the very vast audio library with the uh, trendiest songs. But the problem is if you read the terms of service and get into sort of the nitty gritty of how exactly you can use that music, it does say that that music and content uh, that TikTok provides is only for personal or non-commercial use. So if you're a brand or even ordinary individual creator, who is trying to promote a product and you put that product in a video, you sync it to the latest hit of the day, you need an additional license to uh, use that song. So that that larger music library only covers personal use. TikTok does have a commercial library which has all royalty-free music, so you don't need to get a license to use that. Um, But the problem is that only contains sort of about half a million songs, which is a lot less than a larger library, and um, it doesn't have the most popular songs.
2: You spoke to one lawyer who said that people are confused about what they can and can't do.
4: Yeah, so the, the lawyers that I spoke with, you know, the ones who consult with various brands about these sort of intellectual property-related issues and marketing issues, um, a lot of them said, especially the smaller brands, They kind of see that other brands or that other people are hopping on to various TikTok trends that go viral very quickly. And they kind of assume that they can use the music um, in whichever way they want, which uh, certainly isn't the case. They, They need to obtain a separate license to use some of the most popular music, which also is not a very easy task. You have to reach out to multiple different people to obtain that license.
2: What's the line between commercial use and personal use, you know, with TikTok?
4: Yeah, so I think that's where it does get a little bit more complicated. And and that line can be blurry. You know, if you're using or promoting a product in any way, I think that is clearly sort of uh, a commercial use. But um, one of the lawyers I spoke with said it it becomes more uncertain when, you know, you might be a, a content creator who is doing a product review that was not Sponsored by the product maker but then you still make money from the social media platform for the amount of views you get you know is that commercial use I think it's not entirely clear yet
2: it sounds like okay well there are all these organizations whose job it is to license rights for artists etc and there are music labels why is the licensing so complicated
4: yeah, so in the licensing music licensing industry, there are certain circumstances where, um, you know, let's say you're a restaurant that wants to play music or a bar that wants to play music. Um, you can very easily obtain a license that covers literally millions and millions of songs, um, just through a one stop shop. Um, but because of how the licensing laws work in the U.S., when it comes to uh, using music that is synchronized with video, which is what, what the case is with these social media platforms. Um, that's where it enters this area of you have to bargain individually with each copyright holder, which can get very complicated, um, especially with music because uh, songs traditionally have two uh, copyrights attached to them. One protects the, the musical composition, which is the sheet lyrics, uh, the sheet music and the lyrics. one protects the sound recording. Um, so those are often owned by separate copyright holders. So we have to reach out to both of them. There can be multiple people who wrote a song together and they can each be represented by different music publishing publishers. So it all becomes super complicated um, and it definitely makes it much more difficult if you're a small brand to obtain a license.
2: I was interested in in the bang lawsuit, you write that copyright violations are strict liability, but the judge couldn't determine whether Bang should face additional liability based on its knowledge. So, what was that about?
4: Yeah, so um, the, the question where the judge couldn't make a determination at this point was whether or not TikTok should face, or whether or not Bang Energy should face additional liability because it encouraged or it had allowed its influencers on their own account to use music that promoted the Bang Energy drinks without a license. Um, And in that type of secondary liability of should Bang face additional fines because it encouraged others to violate copyrights, um, that requires a different level of knowledge. So in that case, um, the music record labels, they need to show that Bang knew that the influencers were violating copyrights. Um, For Bang itself and for Bang's own TikTok account, uh, that's a strict liability. So even if Bang... Uh, didn't realize that, it, that the songs that we're using were unlicensed and unauthorized. Um, it doesn't matter Bang was using them, that's a violation of copyright law. Um, it's, again, slightly different with influencers, and that, again, is not quite as resolved in the law, I think.
2: So how many other companies are facing lawsuits over the use of, you know, music that is unauthorized?
4: Yeah, so uh, Gymshark, uh, they, they are uh, a company that also became very popular on social media that makes various gym clothing. Uh, they were sued a, a year or two ago, and they had to settle that suit. And then just recently, in the past couple of weeks, uh, Warner Music sued a uh, UK-based makeup and skincare group called uh, Iconic London uh, for the same sort of issue of copyright infringement. And the lawyers I spoke to said that they may see an increase in in the number of um, lawsuits relating to brands using music for commercial purposes.
2: So just to make clear, the average person who's going to make a TikTok video can use any music they want in the video.
4: They can use any music they want um, that's available on the the TikTok uh, platform That, that the audio library, which is quite large. Um, is covered by licensing deals, um, and that they would not have to worry about any lawsuit from the record labels.
2: Thanks so much, Isaiah. That's Isaiah Poritz, Bloomberg Law Reporter. And that's it for this edition of the Bloomberg Law Show. Remember, you can always get the latest legal news on our Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at www.bloomberg.com slash podcast law. And remember to tune into the Bloomberg Law Show every weeknight at 10 p.m. Wall Street time.
1: I'm June Grosso, and you're listening to Bloomberg. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.